What is Pay It Forward? In each episode, we team up two women from the same sector, but at very different stages in their career. They share their biggest issues, nuggets of advice and leadership lessons. This is live mentoring and you're listening in. I'm your host, Kate Bassett, and for this episode, I'm joined by two remarkable women in advertising. Our first guest has worked in the sector for more than two decades, creating ads and campaigns for some of the world's biggest brands, including Guinness and McDonald's. Now she's the CEO of Creative Equals. Welcome, Ali Hanan. We've teamed Ali up with Charlotte Hugh, a senior creative and rising star at Dark Horses. Charlotte is also the co-founder of Badass Girl, which showcases young female creative talent. Welcome to you both. So I'd love to hear how you both got into advertising. Ali. So my story is I actually came to, I'm from New Zealand originally. I came to London and I first worked here as a journalist and then a sub-editor. And a friend of mine who was a copywriter working for Ogilvy uh, said, oh, you should, you know, you know, call yourself a copywriter. And at the time I was paid £21,000 as a sub-editor working for El Deco. And suddenly I was paid £42,000 just by changing my job title. So I have to say my first decision to come into advertising was quite a mercenary uh, commercial one but then I absolutely loved and enjoyed the sector and of course I had to reskill and actually learn that being a copywriter is quite different from being a journalist um, and but again it's also all about how to tell great stories so yeah that's that's my story. How about you Charlotte? Um, yeah so mine's quite funny really I'm, I'm actually from a small town in Cornwall and people think that Cornwall's this really creative place which yes it is but really creativity wasn't really seen as a career down there and everyone that I spoke to when because the only subjects I really enjoyed were art and English and uh, you couldn't really do both of them at A levels because I needed to do maths or science and I just didn't want to do that. Um, so I left and studied uh, a national diploma in art and design and it was then when I was feeling a bit lost everyone was saying to make money out of um, doing art you have to be an artist and even then I wasn't sure if you'd actually make any money out of it and I didn't want to make art I just wanted to write I wanted to come up with ideas but I just didn't really know advertising was a career and um, yeah it wasn't until and this is this is a true story I was watching Friends you know the episode when um, Chandler switches careers yes. and it was that episode aired the same time where I was deciding if I was going to university or not and um, he, I don't know, no one knew what Chandler did, but eventually he became a copywriter. And he's lines like, I think it was like, uh, grapes, because who can fit a watermelon in your mouth? And like, cheese, it's milk that you can chew with like the first insight into copywriting. And albeit how awful that is, I was like, oh, wow, advertising actually sounds quite interesting. And being able to write and come up with ideas um, for brands. So I, I literally Googled like advertising courses at, um, in universities and I found the course that I did which was at the University of Creative Arts in Farnham yeah. in Surrey and I went there and then from then on I sort of got into, introduced into this world of advertising because before that I didn't know anyone that worked in advertising I didn't know anything about it so yeah it just so happens that yeah friends was my my route in yeah friends friends are friends are everything aren't they <laughs> yeah. yeah good old Chandler yeah. your role model um Charlotte, so you are now a um, senior creative and you're a co-founder as well. What, what's really keeping you up at night? What are your big challenges you're experiencing? In the beginning, like when I was a junior, it was all about like work all the hours you can, work late, be the first in, the last out. And I did all that. And now kind of transitioning to more like my senior role and looking towards becoming a creative director, I'm sort of realising that actually my time is really precious. And for me to be the best person, I 
can be at work. I need to have time out of work. So trying to, I think at the moment, I'm just really struggling with feeling okay at leaving on time and sort of empowering my team and people around me to feel the same. It's really interesting because we have a, we run an equality standard for businesses. And one of the questions that we ask in the survey is, where do you get your best ideas or feel that you're the most productive? And to your point, you know, I think about only across the board, about 20% of people say they get their best ideas at work. So of course, you know, as a particular, as an advertising creative, you get your ideas on the tube in the park and the shower, you know, and when you, when your subconscious is kind of knitting together all those different ideas and thoughts to come up with something that's fresh or it's going out to see, you know, to the museum to go or to go and hang out with, you know, different kinds of people in different kinds of places you know that's where that's where good ideas come from right so I really love your approach of just going you know what it's not all about being here from nine till six o'clock you're not going to get the best work out of people by by doing that Ali did you struggle with presenteeism in your career yes uh absolutely so I think you know um I came into the sector in 1999 so I'm really old but um you know I think that really interesting thing is you know particularly back in you know the first decade of of my career there was a real coat on chair mentality um and also the real you don't leave until the executive creative director you know leaves kind of mentality and you know with you know particularly back in the in the noughties you know there was quite a big drinking culture um, my first job was at Ogilvy they had a bar in the office um, and so actually you know often the ECD wouldn't go until he'd had a few drinks at night so you know you'd even be waiting for feedback on your work till 10 or 11 o'clock and that was just the way that the industry was um, set up it's changed and I think it's changed quite radically over the second decade but you know I think it's been you know meant that actually because of that presenteeism because of that demand to be in the office we actually lose a lot of great talent. Ali what's keeping you awake at night? (laughs) So I haven't been in the sector for the best part of two decades. Back in 2014, I was infinitely frustrated at the number, you know, particularly the lack of female creative directors across the sector. Um, back in 2005, there was only 3% across the globe in uh, advertising and creative roles. Um, of course, now it's gone up to 17%. So I'd l- like to think that being, having, it's yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, so it's really, you know, move forward. But still, when you flip that around and you think that actually that figure and you think that, well, actually, Actually, 83% of all adverts uh, are made by a uh, very white, middle-class, straight, male uh, perspective, then, you know, it's not surprising that we, you know, last year, I don't know whether you saw, but we have now got um, gender stereotyping guidelines that the Advertising Standards Authority has had to legislate against. And I would argue that that's because we've had almost, you know, infinite number of decades of um, work being made from a very homogenous uh group and of course you know if we are to survive and thrive as an industry we have to really think about multiple perspectives across the work and also how we appeal really authentically to all the different audiences that we serve so what's really keeping me up at night is um so I left my job, by the way, four years ago to set up Creative Equals and do this full time, managed to grow a team and we go into businesses and we get them to really think about diversity and inclusion for their company, not just what it means in terms of writing a vision, vision and mission statement, but how it embeds throughout every single work practice. And I think, you know, what we see is a lot of companies are kind of like, oh, yeah, keen to get involved keen to maybe have an apprentice program or 
you know, sign up to a returnship scheme, but actually really getting them to do the, the hard homework of lifting up the bonnet and actually facing up to their challenges is what's keeping us up at night because they kind of know the why, but then uh, very few of them, I think, are really going deep on the how um, and really thinking about how to become a future fit organisation um, that's going to serve our you know, society in the, in the decades to come. So that's the challenge is getting companies to really roll up their sleeves, do the work and also put their money where their mouth is. And that's really tough on you as the the founder and the chief executive because it's all on your shoulders, isn't it? Mm, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, it's 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 uh, you know we 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 sort of now choose companies that just are keen to work, you know, do the work. So we've got a bit more selective about, you know, if companies says to us, oh, we we yes, we really want to know about inclusive creativity, but we only want to do it in sixty minutes on a Friday afternoon. You know, we we just turn around and say no now because that's not taking it seriously. It's actually about really you know thinking things through and embedding them, you know, deeply, not as just a, a tick box exercise. Yeah. What do you think, Charlotte? Yeah, no, 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 I totally agree. I think that's also one of the issues when you look at a lot of the ads, they all look the same. There's a very, especially like in the world of sports, which is what uh, where I work at the moment, like a lot of the ads in the sports world, all of them, I could say they were made by the same person. It's just, this seems like the same sense of humour, the same style. Have you struggled um, getting people to buy into the idea of badass girl? Um, yes and no. I think like, I think people... Generally, it's been really beneficial to agencies. I think sometimes we feel like we've done them a favour because we've almost found all the talent and they can just look and be like, oh, yeah, these people are good. So it's like we've done a bit of work for them, which I don't mind if that's going to help get these young women into industry because the aim, the aim of Badass Girl was to sort of provide a place where sort of young women could feel like they had a community and that actually like advertising was for them because the amount of young women we were meeting that were dropping out because they were intimidated or the lack of role models or just things like back in the day when internships weren't paid like the idea of staying in hostels and couch surfing and stuff like that there was just lots of reasons which was turning like especially young women off working in the industry from what we found out um so yeah what we do is just try and make sure that they feel like they've got a place and people to talk to and then links into the industry and agencies do reach out to us and they say oh we're looking for junior talent who do you know and we'll always send them um, people and we don't ever expect them to necessarily pay us for that service although maybe sometimes I think they should <laughs> but <laughs> I think they should <laughs> what would you like to see companies do differently um oh I think it's just give have more trust in young creatives because I do think especially in the creative industry I'm really strongly believe that an idea can come from anywhere in experience is I suppose if you've got years of experience yes you'll know how to turn that idea into something and understand how all the process works better but there's not necessarily like that you're going to have a better idea than someone that's really early in their career so I think having more faith in younger people and giving them empowering them more and just being there like the one thing I'm trying to learn at the moment in sort of stepping into a more leadership role is learning how to work with the young creative teams and give them the opportunity but also be there to not tell them what to do or give them the answer to just give them bits that'll help spark their fire and for me to take a step back and let them take control because I think that's one of the things that you have as you sort of become a manager trying to relinquish that control and understand that actually this isn't my job now to do it my job is to get the best out of these people and I think that's perhaps the problem with our industry is everyone's so obsessed with doing it themselves and having their name on that campaign and it being their project. I think like when you look at a lot of the best work that's in London, it's always like 
the same ACDs, the same CCOs, the same people that are sort of getting all the credit. But I rarely hear of like the junior creative teams that potentially have worked on it. Um, so I think that, yeah, just taking a look and having a bit more faith because you've hired these people and you're, I think an agency's job is to empower them and to give them the skills they need to feel like, yes, we can totally do this. And yeah, well, you may not have done a shoot before or you may not have written 50 TV ads, but you can give it a go. And if you've got the right team around you, then why shouldn't you be able to do that? Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. And, and to your point, you know, if they if they don't get their name on the work, then they're not going to get the awards, and then they're yeah. they're not going to have their career uh, careers fueled in the way that they need to to progress. Yeah, yeah. Ali, was there a moment in your career where you feel you went from manager to leader, and what were the sort of practical tips you learned being a boss? Huh. Well, it's been really interesting because I've had to really become a boss stepping into running uh, my own organization. Um, and it's been really interesting. So I think, you know, team is everything. And I think it's a really good point that you're making. It's, you know, really how you get the best out of people, how you let, you know, just trust them to, you know, come back to you with their own solutions. So just learning to uh, let go and, and obviously just uh, make sure that everyone's got what they need to get uh, all the knowledge and to empower them to do the work them, themselves in the best possible way. Um, so yeah, trust is really important, and then just making sure um, people have got the right information. So there's, and then of course, just making sure that people aren't set up to fail. So if there's any time that you can hop in and go, okay, I see that you're struggling. How can I help you, or what can I do to help you, you know, achieve your goal in this project? Um, and so really working with people to understand what they also need to do their best work and to bring their best selves to work. We have quite an interesting team. We have. Um, one of our uh, UX designer actually has a uh, special needs child um, who's uh, got a terminal uh, disability. And, you know, she comes in on a Tuesday and she's amazing. She does the work of 10 people in one day. Um, and equally, you know, she might come in or work, you know, crazy hours on a Saturday or a Sunday, but she works whenever she's able. And um, so it's, you know, fantastic to just understand different teams you know different team members and their own individual needs um yeah so we've got yeah we've got a a really fun mixed up team i wanted to ask you both about your work style and how has it evolved over the years and do you think what you wear to work matters ali so that's such a you know when i was younger i would have cared a lot more but now that i've got older can i swear i don't give a fuck And, and actually, um, just full confession, I'm actually 51. And, you know, I get really fed up with the idea that people in their 50s should look, be wearing Marks and Spencer's elastic waistband pants um, and dressing old. Um, I shop at Topshop, you know, um, and obviously the fold in the future. <laughs> Um, uh, but you know I like wearing trainers the real reason why I wear trainers is actually I've got a squished disc which sits on my S1 nerve so I'm actually partially disabled down my left leg so now I have to wear trainers but that is great because I love a good pair of um, snacks I think the good thing about as you get older like I say you find your own style you dress in the way that you want and also equally now I really focus on dressing in a way that's comfortable because one of the reasons I think my back is screwed up is because I spent so many years wearing boots with heels and yeah and actually if I could go back to my 20 year old self I would say no to all the crazy heels that I wore for such a long time wear the trainers yeah wear the trainers yeah (laughs) black comfortable shoes yeah 
I, I've kind of transitioned a bit. I think when I first started out in advertising, I was quite like, I think everyone has this kind of opinion of what creative should wear. Everyone should look a bit like kooky and like wear interesting clothes. And I was never really like that. So I felt quite different from everyone in terms of I've always quite liked to wear smart clothes but that's just because I like I say smart like I wear like jumper dresses boots or like um a nice pair of trousers with a shirt and some trainers but I never like I've never really been a heels girl like I I don't normally wear makeup to work or anything I just quite as long as I feel comfortable but I just like the aesthetic of smart clothes I suppose I just like like but things like a blazer with a hoodie do you know what I mean like mixing up a bit if you could ask Ali one thing what would you ask her what's your burning question for her Obviously, with Creative Equals, you're trying to help increase the number of um, female creative directors in the industry. And I obviously want to be a female creative director in this industry eventually. So what would you say to me? What, how could, what is the step for me to get there next? Like what, would you, can you tell my boss now to promote me? Or... <laughs> What's the quickest way yeah. to promotion, Ali? Yeah, I mean, I think it's all, you know, it's all about the work and yeah. focusing on actually just delivering everyday brilliant creative work with yeah. your team and showing that you're a leader, but equally making them recognize that you're doing that. Yeah. So I don't know what your career progression structure is with your boss and what kind of, you know, if they've made it clear to you what you need to do to get there. Because one yeah. thing we see with the whole creative sector is fluffy career paths like they're yeah. based on favoritism they're based on did I want a piece of work or a piece of new business so so actually just being really clear with your boss about what those steps are that are going to get you to that CD role yeah and the other thing I think that women often do is sit in bad jobs for a long time yeah. where they're not getting the recognition and what they need to do to progress so if he doesn't promote you in a couple of years <laughs> I would go and look for a job that does so I think yeah. you know actually moving around and kind of taking those incre- incremental sort of pay leaps and seniority leaps is really key but you know I think you know obviously equally that's just delivering good solid work and building up a great body of work yeah but I think also you know just a couple of things you know we talked before about making sure that you get to you know be on the good pitches and actually yeah. I think actually winning pitches and being on the pitch teams is the number one thing because then you're seen as a commercial driver um, you're a new business winner and that's you know you're of huge value to the business and then of yeah. course if you can show and at the end of the year that you've brought in x million pounds worth of business then you should be a creative director with a big fat salary <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll do my best I'll do my best um, and Ali, what one thing would you like to ask Charlotte? So I'd like to know what's holding you back. Oh, um, I think the problem with me is I, I wait for someone to tell me that I'm good enough for stuff. And I think like asking that question, I'm quite often just sit there and just wait. In a minute, they'll notice that I'm good at this. I think you've got such an exciting career ahead of oh, you, Charlotte. You. I can't wait to see you be a CD. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> And, yeah, look, I'll go talk to him for you. (laughs) If you could both pass on one piece of practical advice to other young women, what would it be, Ali? Um, I did swear before, so I can swear again. Um, I would say developing a really strong fuck it factor. And, you know, I think particularly in terms of advertising creativity, you know, it's actually really taking the, the idea that is a bit scary, that is actually really brave, really courageous and really out there and having the confidence to go, fuck it, that is actually an awesome piece of idea or piece of work and bringing that back to the table and really 
taking the fuck it mentality and actually going, I'm going to present this work and I'm going to present it like it's the best idea in the world because I know it is and having the courage of your convictions to go with the thing that you believe in the strongest. And I think that's developing a really strong fuck it factor. (laughs) Yeah, I want to do that. (laughs) Um, Mine would be, someone actually told this to me once and and it's always stayed with me is don't repeat the same year twice. And I think in my career, that's always been something that me and myself and Danny have really stuck to because in our first agency, we were super comfortable. It was a really great agency. I loved everyone there. Like we'd done some really good work and I like, I could have stayed there forever. I'd still be there now. Like I love everyone there, but it just got to the point where we were comfortable and we had a year where the work we made, we weren't overly impressed with. We hadn't done anything differently. And um, someone said to us, um, I can't remember who it was, to be honest with you, said, just don't repeat the same year twice. And at that point, I'd realised I'd repeated the same year twice. So we handed our notice and we left and we went to a new job. And there we stayed there a little bit um, for a year and a half. But then because of that first initial moving, it made us realise that actually we don't like being comfortable and we much prefer to be out of our comfort zone. So then we moved again. So from that one conversation, I've now worked in three different agencies and it's been incredible because of the stuff that I've learned from moving has been so much more valuable than sticking in the same place. As this is our pay it forward podcast I'd love to hear your favorite quote or slogan on um, empowering other women and supporting them. Someone once told me that in order to be brave you have to be scared and I think embracing when you feel scared is really important. So, Ali. So this is a quote from Marianne Williamson and it goes like this. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant and gorgeous and talented and fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? I love that. I think I need to tattoo that on my body. (laughs) Ali and Charlotte, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you so much, Kate. Thank you. Pleasure. We hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of Pay It Forward, brought to you from Madeira at Treehouse London. If you loved it, make sure you subscribe and please rate and review us to spread the word and pay it forward. For any links and key takeaways, check out our session notes.